Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. We never forget. We're here because he went there. Well, friends... Good morning again. Good morning. Happy Easter. And I want to say hello to those who are are likely gathered uh, in the overflow area. Happy Easter to you. You get extra chocolate rewards uh, in heaven, maybe, if not later today. But grateful that you're here to lift up the name of the risen Lord who loves us and gave himself for us. I'm going to read for you from uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And verses 8 to 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, happy Easter. You can say happy Easter. Happy Easter. You can say it. You can say it, especially today. You can say it. Even if you're jammed up sitting on the steps, just wanted to sing a little bit. I'm grateful for you all and all that you're doing. We can say happy Easter, and I hope that you uh, have, have had a little bit of celebration already this morning. How many got a basket this morning? Got some chocolate in it? Maybe one of those little Cadbury eggs, chocolate bunny? Come on, anybody? I see a couple up there. Yep. Nobody else? You didn't get any? Okay, here's, you got one. Here's the, real, here's the real question. Did you eat it? <laughs> or did you say, oh, I'm going to be good. I'm going I'm to set it aside. How many said, I'm not going to taste a bite of it. I'm going to just go to church. I'm not going to taste a bite of the chocolate. I'm going to head to church and be, and be good. There you go. Look at that. Listen now, you folks. You blew it. I say, that, I say that in love, loving. You blew it. You should have just jumped into that thing. And actually, you know, that's the whole point of the message this morning. What I'm really going to talk about is, uh, you know, no matter what you've given, gotten, no matter how sweet, how nice, how beautiful, how wonderful it is, what we're going to talk about this morning is about taking it in, not leaving the gift behind, but, but taking it in, receiving it. You know, no matter how great of a brunch you're at, you could be at the greatest Easter brunch there is. If you know where the greatest Easter brunch is, let, let us know. We're looking here. But uh, you could be at the greatest brunch, the greatest spread. But unless you reach out your hand and you take something and you put it on your plate and you, and you, and you eat it, you could be before the greatest spread of, of food at all and still go hungry. 
You see, you could be given the greatest chocolate bunny, uh, a, a real one, not like that waxy chocolate that we tell kids is chocolate these days that has nothing to do with chocolate. I mean like real chocolate, right? The real stuff. It doesn't matter how nice it is, how pure it is. If you don't take a bit and, and eat it, it's nothing to you. It's nothing at all. Now, how do you do that with the, the Easter message? Well, listen, with Jesus and what he has done for you and for me, it all resolves down to this one word that we're talking about this morning. Believe. You see, a lot of us, we're leaving the Easter message behind. We're leaving what Jesus did for us behind. That's why I wanted to read Romans 10 for us today because that's what Romans 10 is all about. It's about believing, faith. Jesus did it, but you don't get it until you believe. And a lot of us leave this message beside, behind us. You know, we think, well, we come uh, on, on Easter, we come to church from time to time or whatever it is, and, and we think, well, maybe Jesus lived and, and taught back then. What does that have to do with me? Maybe Jesus died. Maybe he died on a, on a cross. What does that have to do with me? Maybe he rose from the dead. But what does any of this have to do with me? Well, what I'm going to tell you this morning is that what Jesus did, he did for you. He came for you. He taught for you. He died on the cross for you. And he rose from the dead. And that has something to do with you and your life. He wants you to live the life he died to give. And it begins, it starts when you believe. Well, Easter is empty tomb day, right? Up from the grave he rose. We, just, we were just singing that. And we read this passage earlier on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and they went to take care of the body. See, they couldn't treat the body. They couldn't take care of the body in the way that you ordinarily would when Jesus died because it was Sabbath. And so they had to wait. And now they, they wake up early in the morning to go treat the body. And they ro- go to the tomb with the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the what? The body of the Lord Jesus. No body. Where's the body? So these angels show up, which is alarming, and any time that happens, and and here's how the angels address these, these poor women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. I love the attitude on these angels, don't you? (laughs) Like here they are, you know, crying and trying to take care of this body of their dear friend who died and just showing up where the body was left. What are you doing here? Looking for living people where dead people are. He's not here. He's risen. Well, what would they say, you know? I mean, that's a little attitude you know? Can't you give me a break? I mean, the body was right here. It was just here just a second ago, you know? Where's, where, I don't understand what's going on. Where's the body? You know, Christianity in many ways was founded on the inability to answer that question. Where's the body? 
The, the Jewish leaders who had Jesus tried and prosecuted on trumped-up charges, they couldn't answer that question. The Roman authorities who, who had him crucified on a Roman cross and put him in that tomb and sealed it by Roman authority, they couldn't answer that question. Even Jesus' own followers, those who loved him and were his friends, they didn't know what to say when someone said, Where is that body? Why is that tomb empty when we put a body in there just the other day? And these guys, they say they've seen him walking around again. Something happened. Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. He was really crucified by Roman authorities. It would be easier historically to disprove the existence of Julius Caesar than it would be to disprove the existence of Jesus Christ. He really lived. He really died. And he really was put into a grave. No doubt about it. But the claim of his followers and of the scripture that's right here before us is that he rose again. And that he died for you. That he lived and he died and his resurrection, his, his being alive after he had died, very publicly. His resurrection has something to do with you. Well, we're here, we're gathered here to testify one more time this year that not only did he live and not only did he die, but he rose again from the dead. There's no getting around this empty tomb. There's no getting over that question and all of the sightings of the risen Jesus that happened after he had been buried. On the day that Jesus died on the cross and was buried, you know, there were, there were, there were uh, I don't have 11 fingers. There were 11, one, can you hold up one for me, David? Thank you. There were 11, on the day that Jesus died, he was buried, there were 11 shaky disciples. Today, there are 2.2 billion followers of this man, Jesus Christ. And it isn't because Jesus taught us to love one another, although he did. And it isn't because Jesus taught that we could have health and wealth for following him, because you know what? He didn't. And it isn't because Jesus promised some spiritual rocket ship out of this world. It's because the followers of Jesus saw him alive again after he was very much, very much dead. And when that happened, everything that he had taught, everything that he had done, everything that they knew about him, it all was different. It all was different. It all meant something new. So today is empty tomb day. We celebrate. But we don't get the empty tomb unless we also go through the cross. See, why was Jesus killed? Why did he have to die? Not only was, why was Jesus executed, why did he have to die such a horrible death? Why did this beautiful man, Jesus, have to die an ugly death, hanging on a cross of wood? Why did that happen? If he was God, as you say, he's God, didn't he have the power not to do that? Didn't he have the power not to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Such a horrible death on the cross. Until you get the cross, friends, you don't get the empty tomb. Jesus died on the cross 
to demonstrate uh, his God-sized love for us. Arms open wide, he embraced the whole world even when it killed him. Jesus died on the cross to teach us that there's a place where we can have new life, where we can be recreated entirely, where we can be forgiven and redeemed, and the old is gone and the new comes, and we can be new people. Jesus has the power to change a life, to rewrite your history and to change your destiny. Jesus can do it. Jesus died on the cross to show how real power works, not by dominating and pushing people around, but by getting low to serve people and to lift them up to be the people that God made them to be. But above all of these, friends, there is this final definitive truth. Jesus died to give you life. Tens of thousands of people died on crosses of wood during the Roman Empire. There was not a one that was like Jesus. When Jesus died, it was the hinge of history, the pivot point around which everything turns and what was impossible becomes possible. And what was your future has now changed. Your past is redeemed because he died Jesus died to give you life. And he wants you to live the life he died to give. But all of that won't mean anything to you until you believe. That's where Romans comes in. If you declare with your mouth, it says, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? He's saved. And all that that means, wholeness, fullness, forgiveness, redemption, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Here's the thing about this passage. This passage, this verse, these verbs, these commands, they're in the singular tense. They're singular. They're not plural. Now, let me geek out just a little bit. This is one of those pastor geek out on scripture moments where you talk about the parsing or whatever. But most most of these verbs, when you read the Bible, they're talking to a plurality. They're in the plural. They're saying, hey, all of you, all of you together, you church, you people of God, you should believe. You people of God, you should have faith. You people of God, you should love one another. But this is not in the plural. This is in the singular. It says you believe. You profess with your lips. It's about you and you personally. You. See, it doesn't matter. The question isn't does your church believe. The question is does you, do you believe. The question isn't do your parents believe. The question is do you believe. It doesn't matter. The question isn't whether your wife believes, whether your husband believes. The question is, do you believe? You, personally, in your heart, can you profess faith? If it feels like I'm putting the pressure on you, I am. Because what this scripture says is, look, I did this for you. And you can forget the crowds and you can forget the churches and the history of the churches. Da, 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 da. I'm talking to you, your heart, your soul. And I'm the Lord your God. And I'm asking you right now, do you, do you believe? Your personal response to the work and the victory of Jesus Christ 
determines your eternal destiny. I remember talking to a a high school uh, young lady years ago. She wanted to clarify something that she had heard me say in front of our youth group, and she said, so you're telling me, she said, so you're telling me, Pastor Tim, that what I believe about Jesus matters, me? You know, a sophomore high school girl in South Jersey. (laughs) I said, yeah, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It matters. Not just to you, it matters to God. It matters in the whole universe, what you believe. And she said, what do you mean? You're saying that, that, uh, that what I believe about Jesus determines whether I go to heaven or hell? I said, what you believe about Jesus determines your relationship with God. And your relationship with God makes a difference in eternity. Listen, I said, heaven is eternal fellowship with God. Would you want to spend eternity with an all-powerful being that you don't trust and consider a stranger? Yeah, it determines your eternal life. She said, so you're, as, you're telling me that uh, God doesn't love me unless I believe in what Jesus did? I said, no, no, no. That's not what I said at all. I told her, God loves you no matter what. No matter what. And that never changes. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you can be at home with God and know eternal life when you believe in him. But God loves you no matter what. Believe in him, put your faith in him, and the love of God will not be some high-flying, distant idea. It will be a very present, healing joy within your own heart. But, but I said, but none of that matters to you because you won't believe. Well, she, she gave her life to Christ. She prayed. She opened her heart. And things began to change. Listen, God cares. God cares that this world is hurting. God cares that you're hurting. If you don't feel God, it's because you don't love God. And if you don't love God, it's because you don't know God. And if you don't know God, it's because you don't believe what God is telling you about himself right now. And the conversation ends before it even begins. Uh, I I met a a cage fighter uh, recently. That's true. But like you, when when he said, yeah, I'm a cage fighter, I, I didn't believe him. He said, yeah, well, that's when I was a cage fighter uh, in Las Vegas. And I said, yeah, right. But he was. <laughs> now, that's a conversation killer. You know, if, if, if I tell you I'm a cage fighter and you won't believe that I'm a cage fighter, that kind of ends the conversation, especially if I'm a cage fighter. <laughs> because now we're kind of done. And if I am a cage fighter, you know, you might be kind of done if you keep going 
down that road. But listen, if you won't believe the first thing, you don't get to go to the second thing. But if you believe the first thing, then you get to hear the second thing. And God is revealing himself to you right now. God says, I'm here. I care about you. I love this world. I care that life isn't, isn't working the way that, that, it, that it really ought to. I, of course, I made life. Of course, I care about it. I sent my son. I sent my son, Jesus, into the world. And you say, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Conversation over. When we disregard God, when we act like God doesn't exist, when we waste the world he made, when we abuse the people he made, when we wreck our own lives he made and gave to us as a gift, we divorce ourselves from the presence of God and we are lost and the conversation's over. But listen now, with God, it's never over for him. It's never over. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was given, Jesus was sent, Jesus came, and Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross to fix things. I know that can sound strange. How can dying on the cross fix things? Well, listen, you know, you, you know, you know when, you, when you break relationship with somebody, when the relationship comes apart, and you've got your stuff, and they've got their stuff. And, and if you're going to come back together, you've both got to own, you know, your stuff. You've got to own up to your stuff. They've got to own up to their stuff. And then maybe we can, we can come back together again. Well, listen, with God, God, he doesn't have any stuff. And, and we've got all the stuff. And in fact, we've got so much stuff, it's impossible for us to own up to all the stuff that we have because that stuff is a sickness that leads to death. And God in his mercy, in his grace, he says, I'll take all the stuff. I'll take all the stuff. I'll take it on myself. I'll take it on my son, Jesus Christ. I'll send my son, Jesus Christ, and take all of that stuff away, even the death of it. Jesus takes it all on himself to the cross. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. And live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. God, listen now. God seeing you lost. God seeing you walking away from him. He would not leave you to be destroyed. He took on flesh in his son Jesus Christ. And ran ahead of us into the death that we deserved. He died on our behalf. And he rose to life again proving that the debt had been paid so that you and I could turn around free and forgiven and go home. Friends, this is the life he died to give. It doesn't mean anything to you until you believe. Back when I was an army chaplain, I had a a soldier named uh, Staff Sergeant Ryan Hallberg was one of my soldiers who was deployed to Iraq in 2005, and he was on a convoy team that was hit by an IED, and that, that killed one of, our, one of our men. 
and it tore up Ryan's, both of Ryan's legs really bad. And uh, he, he got back home to the United States and I was able to see him, went to visit him in Walter Reed Hospital. And the afternoon that I walked in uh, to see uh, Sergeant Hallberg, the doctors had just left and the doctor had told him, you need to make a decision tonight. He said, listen, one of your legs, it's so infected with all that junk that's in there. It's all we can do to keep you alive while we're trying to repair it. So you need to decide uh, tonight. You can either try to keep that leg and you may die or we can take that leg off tomorrow morning. So I sat with, uh, with Ryan. We talked. We prayed a little bit. Mostly we just sat there staring at that leg. <laughs> and finally he looked up at me and he said, Chap, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm going to try to keep that leg. I'm going to keep that leg. I like that leg. And then he told me something I'll never forget. He said, Chap, do me a favor. And if I die, uh, tell my team something. Tell them, Hallberg said, live the life I died to give you. He, uh, he, he lost the leg. Eventually, he's, he's still alive. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Live the life I died to give. Friends, what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you with you in mind. Live the life I died to give. Jesus died on the cross and, and, he, and he rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. Jesus beat death. And you might say, well, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to know someone who beat death. But this isn't a death question this morning. This is a life question. It isn't, do you know the way to heaven when you die? It is, do you know the way to live right now? Jesus died to see you live. Live the life he died to give. You can start right now when you believe. Only believe. Declare with your mouth, it says. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and rose again from the grave. You you put your faith in him. And you say, I can't. I just can't believe that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. 2.2 billion followers of Jesus today say, yes, it's possible. And God helps you. There was a man who came to Jesus once looking for help for his son, and Jesus said, only believe and the help will come. So the man, he quickly said, oh, I believe, I believe, but he knew that he was, he was faking it. And so in a moment of, of, of reality, of humbleness, he said, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And you know what Jesus did? He helped. God puts his word right in you. He sends his spirit to make faith possible for you. You say, I can't believe. Yes, you can. And new life can begin for you right now. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, it says. Anyone. Anyone. You'll never regret believing in the name of Jesus. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So I want to give you an opportunity as we close this morning, an opportunity to pray with me, to declare faith, to declare belief, to proclaim that you believe. Look, you're here in church this morning. You say, yeah, pastor, it's Easter. Lots of people are in church. But here you are. Here you are. The Lord is speaking to your heart, and I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Him. Jesus died on the cross. He was cold and dead in the grave, and He rose again to new life for you. It doesn't mean a thing to you until you believe. Live the life He died to give. It can begin right now. Salvation isn't about getting you into heaven when you die. Salvation is about getting heaven into you right now while you live. Heavenly life today with Jesus Christ. It begins when you open your heart and you believe. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. As we do sometimes, I'm just going to pray and ask you to follow along. For some of you, you're in a conversation with God every day of your life. For others of you, this may just be a kickstarter to a conversation with God that you've been meaning to have for a long time. But I'm going to call you to prayer. And in fact, I'm going to ask that we stand together. Would you stand And as a church, let's stand to our feet for the one who stood for us and walked out of the grave. And I'm going to ask you, every voice, every voice, to follow me in prayer. Let's pray. My Lord and my God, with an open heart, I pray. Thank you for sending your Son to be my Savior. I declare him my Lord. I believe he died and rose again. I believe, help my unbelief. You gave me your life. Now I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.